0: Welcome in, everyone. Pete Forcey, the podcast. That's the name. That's the show. You may have forgot because it's been a minute. It's been too doggone long. I had to get on the microphone here after a fantastic wildcard weekend. And then, of course, just everything that's happened around the NFL from coaching hires to storylines, Tom Brady, what's his future? We got to talk about all that. And, you know. Obviously, been MIA for quite some time here, and really just a matter of I was unprepared. You know, the old saying where it's if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. That's what happened to me. I was not ready for what goes on during the season. You know, obviously, I started this about a year ago, launched the podcast right when playoff time was going on, and it was when games were in the sequence, Saturdays, Sundays, and you know, I knew how to work around that. But then as MLB baseball season started getting going, and then particularly NFL, with all the games going on and wanting to watch those and and keep up on the news and everything, the podcasts, you know, it was just hard to go about delivering content to you guys because, you know, it's gonna be outdated by the time you listen to it, so You know, I'm back in my comfort zone here, and I'm planning to adjust going forward to make sure that we go about this the right way, and then uh, we'll see where it takes us. So I appreciate you tuning in. It's episode 32 of the podcast. Let's talk some NFL. Okay, everybody, got to dive right into the big topic. That is Tom Brady, of course, possibly playing his last game in New England. Now, immediately after that game against Tennessee, in which they lost – I thought for sure, I tweeted it out, I said there's no way he's not under center for New England. Then I woke up on Monday morning and I read Peter King, the great scribe over there, now it's NBC I guess, was with Sports Illustrated a long time. He had interviewed Brady immediately after that game and owner Robert Kraft of the Patriots prior to that game. And there were some really telling signs. Uh, If Go ahead and read it, Um, you'll get the full uh, transcript there. But Robert Kraft, clearly, he's worried. And it is no secret that Tom wanted to test the waters. He admitted that, Robert Kraft, that it was important in this contract restructure prior to the season that Tom had the ability to test free agency. So it's no secret now. Tom definitely wanted that. It had been reported. We know for sure now. It is no layup that he returns. Now, I do think it's the best scenario for all involved when we're talking about Tom, when we're talking about the Patriots. I mean, they're a deeply flawed team, as we saw in that game against Tennessee, but they do have the ability to retool, I think, quite fast. Get some pass catchers, uh, figure out the tight end situation, add an experienced blocker in there. Their defense is still solid. Only gave up 14 points in the game on Saturday night. I think I keep saying Sunday. It was a Saturday evening. So, Tom, I think the best situation, especially now, with Josh McDaniels probably in the fold, we'll get to that in a minute, and how the coaching hires affect that it's the best situation but you know if this is about money and not necessarily Tom wanting money for the actual financial game but really just for the respect and what it means because he's taken all the pay cuts really since 2013 then you know he could end up elsewhere the problem is I don't see a whole lot of logical fits I've seen Tampa Bay thrown around out there I don't think he wants to play for Bruce Arians. Arians systematically doesn't really fit him, uh, especially with Tom being an aging quarterback. He's 43. Arm strength isn't what it used to be. That's what is required with Bruce Arians. You know, Tennessee probably is one of the better ones, but, you know, their weapons and receivers, while they're good, Tom runs a very sophisticated thing, or has been, in New England, so I don't know if that matches up well. Does he really want to go to the Chargers? Lousy offensive line, lousy owner shaky head coach. I mean, he's all right. I mean, I've defended Anthony Lynn. I've seen the Raiders thrown out there. I'm like, does he really want to play for John Gruden and take his coaching style? A guy that's won six Super Bowls, does he really want Gruden screaming in his face? I mean, Brady loves to be coached hard. We all know that. But I I don't think he's just going to walk in the door at Las Vegas, I guess, and take that from Gruden. So, You know, logically speaking, outside New England, there is one really good fit. It comes with a huge caveat. And I think that team is the Indianapolis Colts. Shaky owner, great GM, solid head coach it looks like, great offensive line, stingy defense, pass catchers aren't great, but they got a ton of cap space, they got draft picks, they can improve in those areas. It all makes sense. Indianapolis Colts, they can win the division. They're a solid team already. Jacoby Brissett, while I've defended him, it's not like he's an elite quarterback. And Tom Brady still is playing at a top-tier status right now. The big issue is that thing that happened a few years ago where Indianapolis had a huge hand in tipping off the NFL as far as the deflated footballs. Now, as far as, I shouldn't say tipping them off, they informed them. It happened to them during the game as far as New England playing with footballs that air pressure didn't match the uh, the standards. So, really, it's just like Indianapolis was trying to railroad Brady's career four years ago. Does he really want to go play for that organization? Now, the staff, completely different now. It's not Ryan Grigson, the former GM. It's not uh, Chuck Pagano, the head coach. Personnel's pretty much turned over. Andrew Lux, side of the quarterback in there anymore. So maybe he doesn't have any gripes about it. Logically, it's the best fit outside of it. I still just think new England is the place to be for Tom Brady. It's not a situation where, Oh, it's just difficult to imagine him in another new uniform. I mean, it's happened before Montana, um, Steve young, Joe Namath, Johnny Unitas. Um, I think Steve young, he went the other way with San Francisco, so don't include him, but it's happened with other elite quarterbacks. So, I mean, it's not that sense. It really is just, from a sensical standpoint, what makes sense for Tom Brady and the Patriots. I think it all it really takes is the three of them. Kraft, Belichick, Brady. You got to sit down and be honest with each other. Which, maybe they don't have those frank conversations, all three of them. I think Brady and Kraft do. Their type, Belichick and Brady... You know, obviously there's a great deal of mutual respect for the working relationship. They just don't ever get on that personal level. I think it's time because they're now running parallel business and personal agendas, you gotta lay it out on there. What is Tom won out of his next contract? What is Belichick thinking as far as his progression as a player? If it doesn't match it up, then that's the end. But it really would seem to think as far as winning. As far as cohesiveness and the likelihood that they can excel, it's got to be together and not separately. So a lot of new faces kind of leading the charge in different organizations. Today, we had two new hires in the NFL. We had Matt Rule taking the job in Carolina, and we had Joe Judge, who I don't think a lot of people know about. Special teams, uh, coach for the Patriots long time, been there for uh, about nine years now. I want to say 2012 Recently added the tag of wide receivers. He's taking the job of the New York Giants head coach position. So, um, you know, along with those two and Ron Rivera, we got to dive into those. But we got to start with Mike McCarthy. He's taking the Dallas Cowboys job. And this didn't quite come out of left field, but it was a bit of a surprise, the timing of it. And also, you didn't think Mike McCarthy might want to get into a situation where he has to work for Jerry Jones. But he did. Apparently, it went so well that Mike McCarthy spent the night at Jerry's house, which I'd love to know where he stayed precisely. Maybe he was in his own guest house uh, outside of Jerry's place um, you know, and had the, the full nine available to him. But you know, he, he's gonna be coaching in Dallas and I think it's a solid fit given the circumstances. Is it a home run? No, but very rarely. Do you have the opportunity to hit a home run? And Typically, when you do with a head coach, you don't even know that you're doing it. For instance, the Saint or uh, the Los Angeles Rams, when they hired Sean McVay, I don't think they were getting this great motivator who was going to show clearly what you can do when you fully utilize a quarterback's skill set like he did when he start, took over the Rams in, in 2017. I don't think the Rams knew that. I think they knew they were getting a, a good, solid uh, offensive mind but there's no way they could have known that the success would happen uh, that immediately. Or that, uh, that soon, I should say. And the thing about Mike McCarthy, I think that he carries a lot of the same things as Jason Garrett. But it's kind of some things that Jason Garrett lost. Like He, he got fired because he stopped doing the things well that he did for so long in 10 years in Dallas. He instilled toughness. He established a culture in Dallas. He had the team together. Uh, establish an identity of the team and how they wanted to play football. That's all things Jason Garrett did well. Now his in-game management pretty poor. Uh, can they win in different ways? No, that was part of their identity is that they're pretty inflexible. And he just never got creative enough as far as elevating players, and again trying to really just get up with the times and play football the way. It should be played in 2019, in 2018. He was kind of trying to go with a method that's a bit dated, and sometimes it worked. Don't forget the Dallas Cowboys had the three most wins, or the third most wins, I should say, in a three-year span prior to this year. But the problem is is those, those former things, togetherness, toughness, culture, that, that was all gone this year. That was gone from the Cowboys. So they're getting a guy in Mike McCarthy who definitely established that in Green Bay. And as a lot of folks are getting reminded, he did, you know, develop Aaron Rodgers. He was there from the beginning when uh, Rodgers was drafted. um, And he helped him ascend to be the quarterback that he was. Now, towards the end of that, things weren't going so hot. It it had run its course. But I think as far as Mike McCarthy understanding from a personnel standpoint, he worked under Ted Thompson. It's going to be pretty similar to how the Jones run their football team. Steven picks the players along with Will McClay and Jerry, and he just doesn't have a whole lot of say in it, and he just takes what they give him, and he makes it work. So, solid hire for the Cowboys. I do think that it could end in a similar way, but for the time being, at least you're getting a fresh voice to hopefully um, reestablish the things that we're talking about as far as intangibles in the Dallas locker room. Now, the other one is Matt Rule. That guy's getting $70 bucks to coach the Panthers. And I think it's a pretty good hire just from a standpoint of Cam Newton. There's talks about him potentially not being on their team next year. I don't really think there's a whole lot of traction in that. Cam's making $19 million next year. That's pennies when you're talking about a guy who can potentially play at an elite level, which Cam has done And I think someone from college, someone that coached at Baylor, will best utilize his skill set. Now, it all depends on what he wants to do and really what the owner, David Tepper, wants to do. I've heard that they want to take a deeper dive into analytics. They want to be a lot more like the Philadelphia Eagles as far as marrying those two between scouting and trusting data and using... Those numbers to help him win football games. So it really depends. I think this is good hire. At first, I said, Good grief! How do you give him 70 million bucks? He's never even, a, you know, he's a Giants assistant coach. But how do you give him that much on his first gig? But then again, you don't have to worry about the salary cap with coaches. They don't count against it. And you know, maybe you give that extra money for a good coach to potentially uh, coach up a lesser quarterback. Maybe you move on from Cam Newton, and if you're coaching a Will Greer maybe giving that extra coin to a better coach is offsetting what you're compensating for at the quarterback position. So, like that one as well. Now, Joe Judge, New York Giants, not a lot of people know about this guy. I will say, you know, special teams, the one thing that I always heard that I thought was interesting, special teams coaches are one of the few coaches on an NFL staff, other than the head coach, that address the entire team. They're the only coach that will address the entire roster at any point during the year an offensive coordinator if you think about it they're not really ever going to talk to the defensive players you know a defensive backs coach when the hell are they going to talk to the running backs they're just not and anyone who's ever been on a high school football team kind of realizes that I mean I remember in high school there was a coach for every position I never once talked to the kicking coach because it didn't matter I wasn't a kicker. It didn't affect me. Everybody was just compartmentalized to their own unit. So when you're talking about a special teams coach taking a head coach job, that is one underrated thing as far as succeeding at the job. Now, Joe Judge, he's never had to handle duties as far as play calling, which play calling is important because it lends itself to understanding how to manage in-game. So Joe Judge, that could be a shortcoming. I, I think this hire is okay. I don't know if he'll succeed. I think he needs a lot of help around him. There's talk that Jason Garrett might be the OC defensive coordinator. Maybe Wade Phillips gets in the mix. He was just let go by the Rams. Okay, hire by the New York Giants. The last one, Ron Rivera, the guy who left the Panthers. He's over to the Redskins. I don't know why the heck he would want this job. I think that Ron Rivera is a solid coach, brings a presence to him, has some attitude. But is he really going to elevate the Redskins? Does he really want to coach when your quarterback is Dwayne Haskins, who I said, I, I don't know how the hell you take him in the first round. The guy has shown nothing to warrant a first round draft pick, and you know, their culture, not very good. You got Dan Snyder as the owner. Who's gonna be making the personnel decisions? Ron Rivera's never done that. I don't I don't like for Ron Rivera. I think Ron Rivera really sold himself short as far as taking this job immediately. Um, I think there were better options out there for him, particularly um, Cleveland Browns. But then again, you have to work for Jimmy Haslam. Pick your poison there. Jimmy Haslam or Dan Snyder. They both stink. As far as owners, not very good. So, uh, Ron Rivera, don't like it for him. Washington Redskins, you're pretty lucky that he chose to go with you guys. It pains me to even turn on the microphone to do this. You know, I, I I got the Missouri Tigers basketball game in the background. It's halftime of the Tennessee game. Just goes to show where we are in in winter as far as things to watch. I know a lot of you probably like basketball, whether it's NBA, college. I'm not so much into it. I keep a watchful eye, but you know, with football just being limited to the playoff games now, uh, far less football going on. So that's what we got. And I almost much rather be watching that they talking about the doggone referees in an NFL game. And I'm not one of those, as most know, where I cop out on the officials. And once again, in a playoff game, there was a missed call, and people are losing their minds. Officials are going to miss calls. It happened again, and coincidentally, in a New Orleans Saints playoff game. Not going to rehash last year. We know what happened last year. But this year, there was a call that was missed. It was offensive pass interference. And I understand the logic behind being frustrated as to why it wasn't corrected if there's a rule in place for it. But the issue is, is individuals are not understanding the rule is in place there as like an integrity clause. It's only to be triggered. It's only there to protect against the most egregious fouls. The what the hell just happened call. Like last year. With the Saints and the Rams. It was just a general miscall this year. Kyle Rudolph pushed off on the Saints defender. It should be corrected because that's not how they called it during the regular season. People say, oh, it was so inconsistent this year. Not really. Okay, when they did enforce that call, pass interference, what we're talking about, going to review and overturning a call or instituting a call if it was missed. It was generally for things like, oh my gosh, how could you miss that? Were your eyes closed, Mr. Official? Did you fall asleep? What was going on? That's when they corrected it. This one was not like that. Now, I think Al Riveron, he's done a horrible job just managing all this. He came out after the game and said, there wasn't enough there to constitute a foul, which is just like, no, dude, no, that that's not what happened. There definitely was a foul there, but I think the NFL would do itself a favor by saying this is there as an integrity clause. We put it in there to correct the most egregious mistakes because that's how they're using it instead of trying to, you know, dilly dally around it and act like it's a rule just like any other because it's not. I think fans could do themselves a service by just understanding there's going to be missed calls and replay doesn't always give you an idea of what's going on during the game. When you break it down frame by frame, yeah, you may see that the receiver tugged on the jersey of defender, but in real time, when you watch it, maybe it shows that, oh yeah, you know, he didn't exactly hinder him in any way. And I don't think that should be a foul. But when you break it down frame by frame, like the te- te- television is doing us disservice by showing it and delivering it to us that way. Because it's not always reflective reflective of how it affected the play. So, once again, we're talking about officials. We're talking about missed calls. Saints didn't do enough to win that game. They played awful. They played awful. Minnesota won it. How about Kirk Cousins going in, winning a primetime game? Uh, you know, impressive win for him as far as just delivering the football and making big plays. He was 19 for 31, not all that great, 242 yards, a touchdown, but he made the plays when he needed to. Adam Thielen, and then the fade to Rudolph. Really hated the play call, but they got it off. So, Saints, once again, eliminated, not because of bad calls, because they didn't play well enough, and Minnesota is moving on. And once again, next week, we will have bad officiating. Can't wait to talk about it. Okay, let's get into the stuff that's coming up. We got the AFC Divisional Round, and we just had Wild Card Weekend. I'm not really going to review those games by now. Everything's moved on. Reviewed the no-call. Kind of talked about how Cousins delivered. Really just going to preview what I think is going to happen this week. And in totality, and I'll go game by game, but in totality, I don't like it for the teams that won this past week. You know, not to say that it's impossible for them to win, but they are all running into a couple of buzz saws. Um, a few buzzsaws, I should say. All, all four of these home teams, I think, got the best shot of winning the football game. You know, my predictions will be later on in the week. You can check that out on Twitter, at Pete4C. Pete's Picks had a 600 win percentage this year. Okay, not great was hoping for better. It was a weird year in the regular season. But we'll continue with that as we started last week with the playoffs. Take a look for those starting Saturday on what my predictions will be. But I'll start with Minnesota. Kirk Cousins, you know, is he going to go into San Francisco and beat the 49ers? Maybe the most well-balanced team in the NFL. Well, you didn't think he was going to go into New Orleans and do it. And then he did. And he got a lot of help from the defense, so it's not like he played out of his mind. But he delivered when he needed to. The fact is, though, is he was on turf. He was indoors. Perfect conditions. He'll be going to Santa Clara, California, which obviously, you know, not bad weather there. But it will be outdoors. It will be in San Francisco. And I think maybe a, not a tougher opponent, but just a tougher one to game plan for because they can do so many things well. I think this is the one... Where Minnesota, if they can get up early, they got a pretty good shot at winning. Not only because that's their formula, but I think because San Francisco, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not Drew Brees. He can't just drop back and start pinpointing every single throw. He's a solid quarterback. But, you know, Jimmy in a drop back game playing from behind, not that I don't trust him, but he throws a lot of what the fuck interceptions, you know? So if he gets in that situation, Minnesota could pick him off, create an explosive play on defense, and that's when Minnesota's fully in the driver's seat. If, you know, they already have the lead, they can even pad the lead further, and Minnesota can win the game. But I think San Francisco likely is going to win this one. I may flip on that, but I like San Francisco just because they're so balanced. I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan for... Game planning for every which opponent having that extra week and now knowing that it's going to be the Vikings, I think he's going to come up with something solid and they're going to score some points. I think it's going to be that solid 30-27 game, either which way, um, maybe like 30-24. That's kind of what I'm ballparking that first game. And then when we move on to the night, Tennessee versus Baltimore, this is the one where I think it's just going to be, you know, we're going to have to go to bed early or, you know, everyone's going to be going out. Earlier there than usual because this game's just going to be a wash by the third quarter. Not on the scoreboard necessarily, but Tennessee's just not going to be able to to score points. They couldn't score points against New New England. They scored 14. For all the talk of Derrick Henry and what a monster game and wow, remember this performance? Guess what? It didn't help them score points. Yeah, it helped them control the game. But it didn't necessarily help him score. In fact, it didn't. And Baltimore, you're going to have to score some points. Because as we know, Lamar Jackson, they, they haven't really been shut out yet. And I don't mean a, a zero. I just mean they haven't been held in check. So, I don't see Tennessee being able to do that. Ryan Tannehill couldn't create explosive plays. The receivers didn't do much. They, they couldn't get over the top of the New England defense. In Baltimore, they're better probably in the secondary. Their rush defense isn't all that great. I think they allow about 4.4 yards of play but if that's how you plan on beating them with Derrick Henry again good luck because it didn't help you last game he's had some monster games and for all the talk about how threatening Tennessee is they went nine and seven yeah they went nine and seven in the regular season so I I just don't really see much happening here I mean not to say Baltimore is going to light up the scoreboard I just don't think Tennessee is going to be able to control the the game necessarily from an advantage uh, offensively. Okay, they couldn't do it last game. I think Baltimore definitely has more potency than New England. New England was one of the worst offenses in the league, so I think Baltimore definitely is going to create more explosive plays. And you know, Tennessee, th- this is going to be like a that ten point game where it's just completely debilitating. Titans aren't going to feel like they can score. They're going to be wilting under the pressure, and they're not going to be able to score any points. So we take it to Sunday, to Houston and Kansas City. This is the one where, you know, ultimately Deshaun Watson, as special as he is, and I tweeted it out during the game last week, he's as special and he makes you say wow for all the same reasons that he's completely reckless. He's a reckless QB, but it also makes him make awesome plays. And we saw the Michael Jordan comparisons going out because that's what Dabo said a couple years ago, and it's just like, gosh, I can only take so much you know, love fest with players and just getting mesmerized by their individual performance. It's just like, yeah, he's great. But you know, let's not forget he was crap for about three quarters or I guess maybe two quarters, you know, he started, scored the touchdown in the third quarter. But I mean, this is a situation I just trust Kansas city because they just, they play a better four quarter game. I mean, I picked Buffalo last week and I thought that pick looked really good starting in the third quarter. And then the wheels fell off, and Houston caught fire, made some explosive plays. J.J. Watt, he was a big part of that. And I expect the Chiefs to come out and play a complete football game, and I think they're going to win. It's an arrowhead. It's going to be loud. I don't see the weather being too much of a factor. But as far as Andy Reid game plan, he's had that extra week. I don't like Houston being able to pull it off again in arrowhead. Hard to beat a team twice, old saying goes. One of the first things you learn in football, whether you play – whether you just watch, it is hard to beat a team twice. I think Kansas City. I'm not saying it's gonna be a blowout, but I think they're going to they're gonna win this game, and by they're gonna pull ahead late. I think with a couple of touchdowns, maybe a deep ball to Tyreek. Mahomes will do his thing. Uh, I really like Kansas City in this one. I just don't trust Houston playing a complete game. The last one is the most interesting one because I'm surprised they put this as the late game. Because I think a lot of people just aren't going to care about this one necessarily. Um, Not that we won't care, but it's just, it's a team. It's kind of boring. Green Bay was a boring 13-3. Like, what do they do well? I don't think they do anything well. I mean, offensively, they've been stagnant. Uh, Defensively, like, they're good, but they rely on turnovers to kind of defend the goal line. And there's been times during the year where they just look awful. They haven't really beaten a good team, but they're at home. It's going to be about, it's going to be in the twenties. I think in green Bay, Seattle, they're banged up. They got that guy named Russell Wilson. However, I never get tired of watching Russell Wilson. I never do, but they couldn't score points either. And you know, it's just, it's really, really hard to trust a team When they're so banged up, I mean, D.K. Metcalf, that was impressive stuff. Sunday evening, that was impressive stuff. I just think it's going to be easy for Green Bay to key in on him, and then how else is Seattle going to move the ball? If there's one guy I believe in, I think it's Russell Wilson. He could take the game over himself. He can escape pressure, but the Smith brothers, they are really zeroing in. They've been one of the better pressure teams in the NFL as far as the Green Bay defense. I'm inclined to take Green Bay. Um, I think this is the game, though, where you're just going to have to see from the get-go how healthy is Seattle. Um, I don't know if they're going to run the ball that well. I think really the difference maker here is, uh, is Green Bay going to get home? Are they going to get home on pressure? Or is Russell Wilson going to have eyes in the back of his head like he has before? So we'll know that early, and if there's a couple of negative plays, uh, we can you know, probably Pencil Green Bay in to advance. So that's what I think going forward. I don't know. I went one and three last week. So Pete's picks have been suspect this year, but that's what I think going into the divisional round this weekend. Can't wait to watch some NFL. Okay, y'all, that's going to do it. Had to get the takes out there. Been a minute since we chatted. NFL playoffs are going on. Hopefully I'm going to keep doing this more regularly. Like I explained. Wasn't prepared for it. And it's on me. I failed. I failed. But we're back. It's been about a year since we launched this. Uh, still enjoy doing it. Um, and hopefully we'll get on a more consistent schedule here. But I can't wait to watch the games. I want to know what you guys have to say. Tweet me your questions. Uh, slide up in those DMs. Uh, send a picture if you want on Snapchat. It's all at Pete4C, number four, letter C. Let me know what you're thinking as far as NFL, MLB, any sports Anything you may want to ask me, I uh, maybe non-sports related, that's fine. We'll answer it right here on the show. And, uh, yeah, we can get some time on there and we can interact. That's how we do it. Until then, until next time, enjoy the games this weekend. And thanks again for tuning in to episode 32 of the podcast.